0: Alright, episode 116 with Chrissy King is about to start and I'm super pumped that I got this interview locked down because it took literally a couple months of back and forth rescheduling to get this going, but it is worth it. We get to dive in into Chrissy's past of yo-yo dieting, how she overcame it, and how she's now implementing what she learned in her own personal experience with her clients and online clients, and just being an amazing human being, helping others. Hopefully, you have something out of this episode. I know I did, so let's get right into it. Here is Chrissy King. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Modyshevsky, and joining me today is Chrissy King. Say hello.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Good, good, good. So, I always like to start the show by breaking the ice for the audience, and I always ask my guests, what do you got planned for the weekend?
1: Um, Let's think, what? Uh, this weekend, I actually don't have a lot. I was supposed to be in LA, but those plans kind of fell through. So, unfortunately, I don't have anything interesting on the agenda this weekend, but that's okay. It'll be like a little, little relaxing time. So, that's always good. And probably get some work done.
0: Nice. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. a little like Netflix and just like hang out.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably.
0: Oh, that's another good question. What are you watching currently on Netflix? Okay, so
1: I'm going to be honest with you. I am watching nothing on Netflix.
0: Oh, wow. Um, good for you. Good for you. <laughs>
1: you know what? My schedule has just been incredibly busy over the last year, so I haven't had like a lot of time for Netflix or anything like that. So if you have some suggestions, I'm open, but I don't, I'm don't. i not really currently watching anything in yeah. order to have yeah. a good grasp of what's even out right now.
0: So. No, that's fair enough. Like I'm in the same boat. I've been pretty busy lately, and... I haven't had a day where I could, like, say even binge watch two episodes. I can only do one at a time now. But the show that I'm watching right now is Bates Motel on Netflix. Uh And um, I really like it because, one, it's actually filmed where I, like, live. So I always see the little spots around town that I, you know, see every single day. And I'm like, oh, I know that place. I know that place. But uh, the whole premise of the show is uh, this kid i think the show starts off where he's like a teenager and he has these blackouts and he almost becomes like schizophrenic and it's almost kind of like a take on psycho and dexter so it's kind of a dark show but it's like really interesting
1: oh that's awesome
0: yeah 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 um but anyway let's get into the show and uh, tell the audience who you are what you do and how did you get into this industry in the first place
1: Sure, um, so yeah, my name is Chrissy, I'm from the Midwest, I live in Wisconsin right now, um, I'm a strength and nutrition coach, um, I'm a powerlifter, a writer, um, I talk a lot about all different things ranging from fitness to um, feminism, so I'm a little all over the board, um, and how I got into fitness is a few years back, probably like six or seven years back now, I had no, um, I just, I never worked out, I didn't have any background in strength or athletics. Um, I was more of, like, a book nerd and a writer through, like, high school. So, anyways, it was a few years back, and literally the only reason I joined a gym is because my little sister joined a gym. And I think – so, I was like, oh, I'm going to join the gym. And she got a trainer, so I got a trainer. And it just kind of progressed from there, and I actually really fell in love with lifting – um, I was very adverse to it at first. I had no interest in lifting weights. I had no interest um, in any of those things. I had a lot of the preconceived um, preconceived notions that, like, I was going to get bulky. And, like, my only desire at the time was just to be skinny. So I had no interest in any type of strength, um, anything strength-related. But my trainer um, got me into strength training, and then eventually um, I started powerlifting, and then I just, like, fell in love with that. Um, and so just kind of progressed from there. Then I started coaching other people and, um, yeah, and then I started working in the online space. So
0: awesome. So what's your favorite lift when you're competing in powerlifting?
1: Uh, deadlift for sure.
0: Nice. There you go. Well, what kind of got you into powerlifting in the first, like what kind of sparked that interest? Like, Oh, that looks cool. And I really want to get into this.
1: Yeah, so when I first was training um, and ha- got, like, my first um, personal trainer, I was training at a, just, like, a very commercial gym. Um, so there wasn't any of that really going on for the most part. Um, so what happened is the woman that I was training with, her boyfriend opened his own small strength and conditioning gym. So she left the commercial gym and started training at the strength and conditioning gym. And so I went there, and I still was not doing, like, any type of, like, powerlifting or or bar- barbell work at all. But I got exposed for the first time and I saw people doing it. Um, and I saw women doing it and I saw women powerlifting and like benching, squatting and deadlifting. And I would just like watch from the other side of the gym because um, my trainer didn't really do any of that stuff. And I just thought, man, that looks really cool. But the interesting thing is that at that time of my life or pretty much most of my life, actually, I had always had this, created this narrative that I was just like a weak person. And it was kind of like, um, it was a running joke in my family, to be honest, because like I couldn't do anything physically strong. I just didn't, I, I wasn't physically strong. So I always thought that, like, wasn't something for me, but, but I was, like, super intrigued by it. Um, and so then through a series of events, she ended up leaving the gym and wasn't training anymore at all. Started training with her boyfriend, and he was like, well, I want you to just give this a try. And, like, I've been, you know, obviously, like, watching people do it for a few months. And so I was like, okay, cool. And surprisingly, I, like, I picked it up the technique pretty quickly and realized um, that I was actually pretty strong. Um, and so, yeah, I just like fell in love with the process of like strength of training and like getting stronger and the progressive strength. And then also it was just such a transformative thing for me because it really helped me focus less on trying to like just shrink my body and then focus more on like just that your body can do really cool things and that strength is amazing and that there's something else to focus on besides just like, I need to be smaller. And so it was just a really transformative process for me, um, And once I started, I just have never looked back. So, yeah.
0: Well, that's why I like powerlifting because it's like when you get someone dialed in into that sport, you know, your mindset kind of shifts towards from, I need to lose 10 pounds to, I want to add 10 pounds to my deadlift. And it becomes almost like performance goals. And then the whole idea of losing weight and whatever kind of just takes a back seat. And that's what I tell my clients to do is kind of like stop thinking about, What the scale says, what measurements say, and just like think about something you want to do in the gym, get to that goal, and most likely your body's gonna change either way. And then you're gonna be like, oh, my pants fit better now, and all I've been focusing on is trying to get my deadlift heavier. Right.
1: It's so true. And so that's like pretty much, I mean, yeah, that's so true. You stop worrying about that stuff and you're like, your body's going to transform. Just, it's just going to happen. Um, but you have so much fun more in my opinion, anyways, you have so much more fun and you enjoy the process more when you're definitely like, yeah, focusing on what your body can do and not so much on like trying to alter the way it looks. So I think it's just more of an enjoyable process and it's more rewarding in my opinion too.
0: Oh, hundred percent. And like, I, cause I said this a bunch of times on my show, like probably 90% of my clientele are all females. And yeah. anytime they're like the first time ever into the gym, they're kind of intimidated about everything. And right off the bat, I start educating them. Like, you know, I want to get you strong. This is what you need to kind of get towards. And they kind of get it. And then that moment when they realize how strong they get is probably the best feeling I've ever had as a trainer. And, like, for example, like, them doing their first ever bodyweight chin-up, and they're like, holy shit, I just did that. And it almost becomes addictive, and now they're, like, they're going to be at the gym for the rest of their life, which is just amazing to me. I just love it. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, So the other thing I wanted to bring up when you first started into the industry, because I was, like, going through your website and everything, and you had a great post about your experience of, like, doing, like, yo-yo dieting and things like that, and I was hoping you can kind of elaborate going through that experience.
1: Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's even back up farther than when I started yeah. like eat like strength training. Um, I think the first time I remember going on like a hardcore yo-yo or a hardcore diet, I was like a junior in high school. And I think this is like definitely the very distinctive moment in my mind because the first time that I remember going on a hardcore diet and also the first time I, I felt like I got like addicted to the need to change my body to, in reaction to like what other people thought about me. And so like high school is like that weird time, you know, and like people are just obnoxious or whatever. So I remember this um, boy in high school, like said, made some comment about the fact that I gained weight and like, I knew I had gained weight. Um, and, but it, I was like, felt very self-conscious after he said that. And I was like, it, it was almost like immediately that day. Like, I remember exactly where I was in school and it was like that day I was like, okay, I have to lose weight. Cause obviously I don't, this is a problem. And it was literally just because this person had made a comment about it. So what I did is, at that time, I was only, like, 16 or 17. I had no idea about, like, weight loss or anything. I only knew one person in my life that had, like, lost a lot of weight. It was one of my mom's friends. And I just remember her talking to my mom about having done Atkins diet. So I literally went to the bookstore and bought a book about the Atkins diet. Right. And that is literally what I started doing. And so I, I mean, it Worked, I dropped weight pretty quickly. But the only so the only physical activity I was doing at that time was, um, like, like tons and tons of cardio. So I did lose weight really quickly, obviously, um, because I wasn't eating really any carbs, and then I was also just doing tons of cardio every day. So I lost a lot of weight, um, but then I went to college, and it wasn't really sustainable, so I gained weight back. And the only thing I knew how to do to lose it was to go back to this diet. And so it just became this process of, like, years of going up and down. And, like, it's it's weird because it wasn't until probably, like, a few years ago that I finally – like, I had so I had all these clothes of different sizes because I had my clothes when I was, like, on my diet. And then I had the clothes, like, when I rebounded. And I always kept them all. And um, so it was really – it was crazy. It was just years back and forth and having no real concept. And so it was also very um, – it was – really despondent in a way because I felt like because I didn't have a good sense on handling nutrition I felt like it wasn't possible for me to be able to ever maintain my weight um, and I was always like how are all these other people able to maintain their weight and I always have to do these extremes um, so it was really frustrating and again it was during the process of strength training um, that I kind of got a better handle on nutrition and I still struggled during that time period as well because I, um, I started tracking macros which worked really great obviously worked really well for me But then I got, like, really obsessive about them as well, Um, and, um, you know, so I had, it took me, like, I feel like a lot of years, probably to, like, two years, two or three years ago, probably more than that now, probably four years ago, where I finally, like, started really addressing all of my nutrition nutrition and food um, issues, and also just uh, dealing with my body image issue, really, because that was really at the root of it. Um, And to getting to a place that's more comfortable in my skin, and realizing that I don't have to like look a certain way, and 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 the thing is that even when I was lifting and I was uh, tracking macros, I still was in this fight with myself about like, oh, I just need to lose five more pounds. I just need to lose this five more pounds. And so for me, like to get to the end of that, I literally had to stop tracking for a while. I just had to say, I'm gonna let go because I was to the point that I would like go to restaurants, I'd bring my food because I wanted to track macros. So, you know, and macro counting is supposed to be flexible and give you freedom. But I was like, it was like, I was ball and chained to those macros every day. Um, so there was no real flexibility for me. So the cool thing is I finally was just like, I'm going to back away from tracking altogether, which was scary, but nothing bad. Like I didn't die and it was fine. Um, and I realized that like, even if my body weight went up a little bit, like it's not the end of the world. And uh, it helps me become to a place where I'm much more sustainable in my nutrition. I don't have track. I can actually eat intuitively, um, and you know, have a fairly normal life is what I like to say. Um, and not always be stressing about food. So
0: yeah. 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 Like what's alarming to me is like, um, one of my clients she's a school teacher and she asked me to come in and do a talk to her grade eight class so everyone's like 13 14 years old and out of the 30 kids i think there was 28 girls and two boys and i'm like okay i'm going to talk about fitness health nutrition blah, blah blah and before i even started i like asked the entire class just to get like a general sense of the room like who here has done a diet every single person's hand went up i'm like holy shit like at 13 this is already happening i'm like okay how how many of you have done more than one diet and i would say at least 90 percent of all the hands went up i'm like man it's getting younger and younger and younger i'm like what are we doing wrong in this industry that's making like young teenage girls and boys think it's okay to like start restricting yourself such an early age it just blows my mind
1: Crazy, and so what I just recently saw too on social media that like people were kind of like outraged at is that like Weight Watchers was starting a program for I think it was like adolescent or teenage girls. Oh, jeez. Like that's just what teenagers need, right? To like start weight, watch, weight Watchers when they're like adolescent, and so it is very alarming, and it's just irresponsible. On for, to obviously, in my opinion. For them to be trying to make money off of, like, girls that are, you know, younger and messing up their body image at, you know, whatever age and encouraging dieting at such a young age. And, yeah, there's definitely something wrong with our culture in which children that young really are so concerned about, you know, losing weight at such a young age. It's just crazy.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. Do you you train anyone, like, that isn't that teenage, like, age at all?
1: Um, I did used to, so I'm not really training in person anymore, but when I did... Train in person, yeah. I trained um, a lot of high school girls, um, and a lot of them were athletes, so um, they didn't necessarily, I, I didn't see that they fell into that mentality as much. Um, but I, what's really cool is there's an organization called Smart Fit Girls, um, and they work with adolescent girls and really encouraging them to get involved in strength training. And also just encouraging them to derive their body image from things or their you know, their image of themselves from things other than what their body looks like and to really focus on um, strength and what their body can do. Um, so I think that's a really cool organization. I'm going to be partnering with them on some things later in the year because I really think that is a very important area. Because when you really think about it, I talk to so many women that are my age, I'm in my 30s, or women that are much older than me that are still struggling with the relationship in their bodies. And I think we just have it so backwards, right? Because we can definitely, I I mean, I work with women on body image issues all the time, and I think there's never a time that's bad to address those. But, like, imagine if we had this same discussion with people before they got to their 20s and 30s and 40s, um, and they never became adults with those issues. And so I just, I think there's so much work that could be done there. And I think one of the things that um, I run into with adult women is, Like, when we're younger, like, for instance, the guy who, you know, said this thing to me in high school, when we're younger and you're in middle school and high school, like, people, we're just dumb, right? So we care about what people look like. We make comments about what people look like. But when you're really, like, and thinking as an adult, like, most adults don't give a shit about what other adults look like, Right. But we take those stories that we known when we were younger and now we walk around as adults self-conscious about oh, what if so and so looking at my arms or my body? When in reality most people don't really care that much. We have our own problems to deal with. Um so I just think that we could address some of these things so much better at an earlier age and hopefully prevent some women from um having the same issues that we all had to deal with. So
0: Yeah, like I had a similar like thing that happened to me in high school too, because I used to be like pretty overweight in high school and I remember, I think this was grade 8 or grade 9 and I was at our school dance and I like mustered all the courage I could to ask a girl to dance with her and she literally said to me, why would I want to dance with you? You're fat. And I was like, god damn it. And literally that's like, that's what kind of got me into the direction of like, I need to lose weight as fast as possible so I can get the acceptance of the yeah. opposite sex like it's crazy how like just one sentence could like change your whole view on everything you do
1: absolutely and you never forget those things no, though right
0: not at all yeah, yeah. so I kind of wanted to like back up a little bit with your experience with dieting because I find because I did the same thing where you know I went on a pretty restrictive diet I exercised like seven days a week sometimes twice a day mm-hmm. to like drop weight as quickly as possible yeah. and um, you know like till today like I still have issues with food that I'm like constantly trying to get over like I have this huge thing with like binge eating and I've been like really working on getting past that and I'm kind of curious like do you have still like have some issues with food and body image or anything like that
1: yeah so I don't think I have too many issues with food anymore um I feel really like com- I don't yeah I just feel really, really comfortable with um, I mean, I think you can always work on things, right? But I don't I don't have any huge triggers around food. Um, so that's not a huge issue for me. When it comes to body image, though, I think definitely. And so the thing I think to note about body image for me, and this is my opinion, obviously, is, like, I think you can always come to a place where you feel good about your body and you feel better about your body. But what I always try to remind my clients anyways is that, like, you're never quote-unquote cured from like body image issues, right? Yeah. Because there's like always these continual messages, um, and I think I think body image affects men and women absolutely for sure. But I think for, particularly for women, like the way in which society operates, um, it's it's potentially, I mean, uh, particularly damaging to, could be damaging to women's psyche or body image. So I don't think there's ever a point where you just like, I never worry about my body. I absolutely have days where I wake up and I look in the mirror and I'm like, ugh, I don't like this or I don't like that. And I think the only difference is for me now is that I can flip the switch quicker and I can recognize those negative thoughts quicker and flip around my mindset around it but I definitely don't ever think that people just get to a place and they just love everything um, about themselves. And I think what I always try to help my clients realize too is like it, the body positivity community. Sometimes I have a bone to pick with them because we, you see all these messages just love yourself, and like if you really have a hateful relationship and you disdain everything you like, everything you see when you look in the mirror, like just saying to love yourself is a, a big step. Like you don't really go from hating yourself to loving yourself. I don't think that that ever happens that way. So what I always try to get people to be is, like, let's get closer to neutral, where you can look in the in the mirror and not make, like, a thousand disparaging comments about your body. You may not love it, but you also don't, like, tear it apart when you look in the mirror. So I definitely still deal with things. There's definitely days where I fall into thinking, like, oh, I probably should just lose this weight or, I, or look at that, looks gross in this picture. And using words like that, even gross, like, I really encourage people not to use those words as they talk about themselves, but I see myself sometimes falling into those traps and those habits. And so, yeah, absolutely. Just trying to flip that around as quickly as possible. And I guess thinking back to food, going back, circling back, I guess there are some things that I I won't say that I let them affect me, but I definitely have thoughts sometimes, right? Like, oh, I probably don't need those carbs today like I probably don't need that like you know you get caught up in those things I probably Mm -hmm. should I already didn't work out today I probably shouldn't eat that so I mean I definitely still have those um, moments where I think about food um, and necessarily don't necessarily think about and how am I honoring my body but just in like oh that's taboo I shouldn't eat that that's not good that's bad for you and talking about food and good and bad labels which I don't like to do either so I mean I definitely think that I have moments when I do that um, but I don't think I have any huge triggers around food anymore.
0: Okay. Now the other thing like with body image issues, like what are some strategies that someone could like use today or like say finally someone's like, you know what, I need to stop telling myself that I look fat or I hate this or I hate that. What could someone do to kind of start the process that kind of almost quiets that little voice inside their head? Like what do you give to your online clients to kind of push them into the right direction?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of things. I think, for one, um, I think it's really important for women to realize that, like, you know, when it comes to, like, even fitness, right, fitness, but it's not just fitness, fitness. It could be the beauty industry, fashion industry industry. Like They prey on our emotions, and so in order to sell more products, they want us to think that something is wrong with us, right? Like, oh, you need this wrinkle cream because you can't have wrinkles, or you need to buy these hair products so you can have these flowing locks, or you need to buy this fat loss thing or the cellulite cream because cellulite is bad, or you need to have a flat stomach. So first, I always try to help people understand it, or at least to start to recognize that these messages that we get are not real. I mean, they're real in the sense we're getting the messages, but this is just really people trying to take advantage of of, of us and if we're honest about it. So recognize that, like, if it's cellulite, for example, that really you just can't stand your cellulite, what is it about cellulite in itself that is so bad? Or is it just because someone told you, like, cellulite's not attractive, right? So um, really start to do some of the deeper work and really think about, What it is that you don't like about your body, and why is it that is really problematic? Is this something that you really feel, or is this what you feel like is being like put upon you by society? Um, That's one thing. The other thing is, um, I really challenge people. Like, if you want to like deal with your body image issues, it does cause it does call to be uncomfortable sometimes. And so, what I mean by that is like, if your issue is, like, for example, I have clients who says who will never wear like I can't wear tank tops because I hate my arms, and I so, said, "Well, what's like, what's the worst case scenario if you wear a tank top? Like, what's gonna happen?" Um, and so, always I like encourage people to think in terms of what worst case scenarios, and then like challenge yourself. Like, okay, wear a tank top to the grocery store, and did it? How did that go? Like, you don't have to, you know, do anything major, but just wear it to the grocery store, and did anything bad happen? Like. You have to, like, basically make yourself uncomfortable sometimes to get more comfortable in your skin. Because otherwise, if you're you're worried about so many things, um, like, you could stay in that place of worry and frustration and fear all the time. So challenge yourself to do some things out of your comfort zone. Think about where these things are really coming from. And then lastly, when people, you know, say, I just want to feel comfortable in my body, I just want to be happy, I actually ask them, like, if you fast-forwarded a year from now and your body image issues were resolved, what would that actually look like for you? What would you feel like in your skin? What would that feel like on a day-to-day basis? And really visualize like what it is that you actually want to feel like Um, because saying I just want to like my body can be a little general. Um, And so I just challenge people to think about what it is that they actually want to feel like in their bodies and how can we work towards that.
0: I like that because I think I had another person say something similar. It's like you want to visualize yourself, yeah, like a year or two years down the road, you know, how do you like perceive yourself how do you feel how do you look and if you're comparing yourself to another person you know what does that other person that you're comparing yourself to have that you don't have and if you did have what they had, how would you feel and I think that kind of switches the brain how it perceives your own image It's just like thinking of little things like that that kind of cuts that you know direct relation that oh, I'm gross, I'm fat, I don't feel good about myself. And you just start thinking outside the box almost. Hopefully that made sense.
1: <laughs> no, that makes total sense. And I think also, too, one easy quick fix that I tell my clients all the time, which I forgot to mention this one, is that social media can have such a negative impact on body image if you're not yeah. careful about it. Um, and so for me, I remember when I was like just getting into fitness, I like wouldn't follow all these people that had like my body goals, like people I wanted to look like and... And first off, like, we never know what's true and what's not true on social media, right? And so, like, if you spend all your time comparing yourself to these people that you don't even know or wishing you looked like them. I mean, I remember I'd, like, go on and follow some people and I'd feel bad. Like, why, what am I not doing right? Why don't I look like that yet? And so I always tell people, like, unfollow people that trigger you or make you feel bad about yourself in any way. And that doesn't even mean that you're doing anything wrong. It just means that this is not a good time for them to be on your timeline, Right. And you can always refollow people later, but if it's having a negative impact on how you feel about yourself, either step away from social media altogether or just follow people that make you feel empowered and confident in your skin. Um, and that's an easy quick fix because you, you know you can totally filter what you see on social media. So,
0: yeah, like uh, recently I was tagged in a post and a Facebook group about how one coach has a client that wants to get like a shredded six pack, and she's like a mom of two or three, like mid-30s, blah, blah, blah. And he wanted to have like some good points to kind of educate her that maybe it's not realistic and you can't be shredded all year round because X, Y, and Z. And then I started seeing everyone else chime in and the women who did have like six packs, they showed like pictures of themselves in different positions where they don't have a six pack. And it's like a lot of it is like the lighting, the mm-hmm. angle, the way you twist your torso to get that yeah. perfect picture to post on Instagram. Yeah. It, it's ridiculous because it's like no one posts a picture it's on Instagram. It's crazy though
1: because.
0: I... Go on, sorry. No,
1: no, go ahead. I, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, I was just going to say, like, on Instagram, like, no one posts a uh, picture of themselves in a bad, like, position or, you know, their face doesn't look that right. They're always going to post the perfect picture and not never, like, how you actually look.
1: Um, absolutely. I, I not agree with you more. And that's the other thing too, that I always tell people is like to remember that social media is literally the highlight reel for most people. Yeah. And you can't measure your everyday life. against what you see on social media, because I mean, the same thing applies for me. I don't like wake up when I'm looking like crusty in the morning and post a picture. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's just not what people do on social media. And so you just have to remember that. Like, it is a highlight reel and people are putting their, usually their best or at least their most decent to best pictures out there. Not the ones that look crazy because no one wants to be seen like that. So it's just something to keep a really good perspective on that. It's just such, it's just very, although at the point it's so funny because Instagram was, so, you know, instant pictures, but it's like yeah. not so true. It's the most curated content out there. Right. Um, so we just have to remember that.
0: Now the other thing I wanted to bring up is like, for the male coaches out there that deal with women, like what should they know going into an hour training a client or online? Like what are some things they should avoid and what are some things they should incorporate in their coaching style, if that made sense?
1: Yeah, I think it's important to know that – like women are not men, right? So I, I've heard people, uh, you know, men, women should train just like men. I don't think that they should train just like men. I think that, you know, I'm obviously a big proponent of strength training. So I definitely think that um, strength training is good for anybody. And I think that everybody should be incorporating that in, so, in certain regards. But I just also think that there's different considerations that you have to, I mean, not just for women, but particularly for women that you need to take into account. Um, and some of those things are, just personal preferences. Like, for example, um, I love I love women who have a ton of muscle. Like, I think it looks awesome on women. However, all women don't want to have a lot of muscle, right? And that is a personal choice. That's part of body autonomy. And so, I think it's important for men, in particular, women as well, though, to take into consideration their clients' desires. Like, if a, a client comes to me and they're like, "I want to lose some weight and I want to, you know, tone up," or and you, the words that they use, but I don't want to put on a lot of bulk. Like, I think it's important to respect someone's wishes regardless of what you think you want for them. Like, oh, I, I want them to know that muscles are great on women. That's cool. But, like, you got to respect their wishes um, and, and their desires and how, what their training should look like. And then also, obviously, be aware of hormonal differences between men or women. Um, and I'm not saying you need to ask your clients, you know, anything <laughs> in regards to the cycle and what time of the month it is. I'm not encouraging you to do that actually at all. But just be aware that, like, women have different issues than men do, um, and that there's just different considerations when it comes to that. So, and then also realize that, like, I don't know, I've had male trainers. I have had a lot of male trainers in the past. Um, And sometimes men just, they they talk to women like they would talk to guys, like, you're one of the bros. Yeah. And so I had this coach, and I would be, like, really upset about a lift. And I wouldn't, I'm not, like, an emotional person, really, so I wouldn't cry or anything. But I would get disappointed, about it and i get frustrated about it, and I'd probably handle it different than other guys in the gym did, right? And he'd say, like, oh, don't be a pussy. And it's like <laughs>
0: – There you go. <laughs> uh,
1: okay. Besides the fact that using that term in that way is problematic anyway. Fail. Like, I- <laughs> Like that, you know, so or man up, toughen up like that's just not a way to address your female clients. Um, So I just think all of those kind of things. And and if you're not used to training women or if like you're in an environment where you work with more men, just be mindful of that and be mindful of even just like how you're the thing you're talking about. I went to a gym where I felt felt like it was very they made a lot of misogynistic comments jokingly, um, but it still totally wasn't cool. So I just think, you know, remember that your female clients are not one of the guys and be respectful of that. Um, And I don't know, I could go on probably all day about different things, but I just think those are some of the things off the bat that people should remember and take into consideration.
0: Yeah. Like it's interesting to me, like I'm really passionate about women's health, like to the point where I've spent probably the last six years working with a bunch of pelvic floor physios. And I know quite a bit when it comes to like rehabbing. A, girl, a woman who had like a C-section or a vacuumed child out of her to get her yeah. back to training. And I remember I was also tagged in another Facebook th- uh, thread where uh, a coach was asking like the best way to approach your female clients and kind of educate them on women's health because he felt kind of awkward and I'm like, you're only gonna make it awkward if you' like force it to be awkward. Because all I tell yeah. like my female clients is like, hey, I read this article on Girls Gone Strong or I'm reading this book on hormones and women. And then that kind of opens up the gate to conversation and how all my female clients will tell me all the details that you don't even need to know. And they just feel <laughs> comfortable now. And I'm like, awesome. Now I know these things. But I think it's yeah. just like opening up the lines of communication so they don't feel like you know, oh I had inconsidence when I was doing that deadlift, and I feel uh-huh. kind of weird, right? It's just like opening up the lines of communication and then your clients are gonna tell you everything.
1: Yeah, and I think that's so important what you just said too, right? Because like don't make me feel weird about it. <laughs> because, yeah. like, like these things they're not weird. like and that's another thing. like periods aren't weird. so it's not like although some guys feel like it's so foreign, I think everybody knows about this. so it's not weird, right. Um, and pelvic floor issues aren't weird. So, yeah, like, don't make me feel strange about it. And also, I'm so glad you brought this up, though, because I think it is very important for um, male trainers, if you're working with women, to educate yourself on at least some of the basics of that stuff um, so you have a good understanding of that. So, yeah, that's, that's really important.
0: And, like, the one person that I followed was uh, Cassandra Forsyth because I saw her at a conference, and she did a whole presentation on, like, The entire cycle and how you can actually queue up your training program to kind of meet the, you know, same timing, because there's different like hormonal changes throughout the whole cycle. And, you know, you might plan that on week three of your deadlift program, you're gonna go at 90%, but your body's not gonna let you get there. And Uh I would like like anyone listening, like look up Cassandra Forsyth or honestly just go to girlsgotstrong.com and just read everything and you'll be good to go.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's so true. And like being aware of things like that, particularly if you're a male coach, and realizing like, yeah, certain times a month is probably just not going to happen, and that's just normal. And then you understand like why that's the case, and like you get it, and it's not that it's not that really complicated, like you said, to understand. And Girls Gone Strong is a phenomenal resource for oh, yeah. all things related to women and strength. So yeah, it's really as easy to educate yourself on those things, and yeah, very important. So
0: um the other thing too is like i find it interesting when you know i'm coaching my female clients and they all do this where they're like i just feel fat today and i'm kind of wondering like what would you suggest for a male trainer to combat that saying so then they leave that hour or that email or skype call you have online where they feel better about themselves
1: well, I think so I've had this experience before with it, where I've said that to a male trainer. So I think the first thing is, like, the best thing you can do is not just blow it off. Because I, <laughs> I had a coach that I said something to that effect. And he's like, oh, please, that's just ridiculous. And Okay. <laughs> Thanks. That's really yeah. helpful. So now I feel ridiculous for my feelings on top of that. Um, so I think one of the things is just, like, not, like, listening, like, just being present and listening. I think, like, people... It's really important when anybody's sharing something with you is to be able to hold space for that person. And I think people generally, when they're telling you that, it's because they need someone to talk to about it. So the first thing you can do is just listen to what the person has to say, um, and ask them. Well, I mean, I, again, I think women interact with each other differently. If a woman said that to me, I'd be like, "Oh, is this are you bloated?" Like, you know, we did we talk about it because we like women do that that, that kind of stuff. So um, I, you may not necessarily feel comfortable asking them those types of questions. But um, I think acknowledging their feelings for one um, and then just saying, you know, I think we, all, I, this is what I would say anyways. I think we all have times where we struggle with the way that we look or how we feel today and, and all of that. But let, let's focus on like uh, having a great training session. Let's focus on um, what we can do in the gym today that will take our attention off of just how we look in the mirror today. And then also, I am. I'm really open to like just having open dialogue and say like, oh, why? Like, what? Why do you feel fat today? Like, what is bothering you? What do you not like about whatever? Um, and I think people just generally feel real better anyways when they felt heard and seen um, and acknowledged. Um, I think that's really helpful. And then honestly, I always ask people like, like, is there anything that's different between yesterday and today? I mean, yeah, yesterday and today. And what would make you feel better? Like, what? What would make you feel less um, like in this funk that you're in right now? Um, because sometimes I think, again, it always goes back to that body image conversation um, and digging a little deeper to see maybe if they had some interaction with someone or any. It could be so many different things. I think sometimes you have to go below the surface and kind of undercover what's really going on. Because I think when people just make it seem like I just feel fat today. I think there's always usually a little something more to that. Um, so I don't know. I like to delve in below the surface a lot when I'm dealing with people, but I definitely think for male clients, I mean, for male trainers, the first and most important thing you could do is just listen and hold space and not, um, just like, if you're uncomfortable with it and you don't know what to say, I think the worst thing you can do is just be like, oh, that's just ridiculous. Like that's not, that's not helpful.
0: Yeah. I I think when I had Erin Brown on the show, I asked her the same question and she got a little bit deeper and she's like, you should ask them why do you feel okay saying such a negative thing about your body? And then they like, again, that mindset just kind of shifts and they're like, oh, I now have to like think a little bit deeper of why I'm saying those nasty things to myself. And I'm like, that's really smart and really good to kind of just open up the, again, the communication lane for your female clients to kind of open up and kind of, you know, spill out what's going on in their life.
1: Right. There's always more to it though, right? Like when people yeah. make, there's always something deeper below the surface. I think, in most interactions that we have with people. Um, so, yeah, we have to dig a little bit deeper most the time.
0: Um, so the next thing I kind of want to bring up is, like, nutrition. So say you get a brand-new client online, and they had a lot of experience with, again, yo-yo dieting, and they're kind of used to the whole idea of, like, I have to eat within this many calories. I have to restrict myself all the time. And then you're like, okay, we are going to shift away from that and get you to normal eating How do you help an individual like that to kind of change how many years they've been dieting like that to kind of get it through their head that it's not the best way?
1: Oh man, it it can be really, really (laughs) difficult. It can be really, really difficult. And it really depends on how long they've been in that cycle. Um, So, one of the things. I mean, it, it, again, it's, it means mean so many things. Yeah. But if it's someone who's extremely coming from an extremely restrictive background, for example, they have like a list of approved foods that you can eat, right? Like I'm talking super restrictive backgrounds. Um, one of the things I really like to do is like we have to start working for one in our mindset around food. It's not, there's not such thing as good food and bad food. Um, and I think that um, that takes a lot, a lot of work for some people that are really, Really, like i have a client in particular um who is like we've worked through it but you it's really easy to fall back into those habits i should say so i think that like let's talk about food as fuel and not as good and bad is one of the first things we need to talk about um and the other thing like i if this person does definitely have, like and approve the list of foods i would definitely encourage not encourage them but like like really challenge them to eat something that is not what they would normally eat. For example, I've had clients come to me who don't believe in eating fruit, right, because it has too much sugar content. Mm-hmm. When we know that that fruit is not bad, so I would really challenge people. Like I need, I want you to have a cup of berries after your workout, right? Um, and just slowly. I, I don't think you can jump into. Depending on how restrictive the person is, I don't think you can jump into these types of situations and make huge monumental changes right off the bat um, because most people just can't handle that. Um, So I think that slowly start to introduce other things, continue to have those conversations around food. And I think what's really important is when you're having, like I I have, for all my clients, we have calls. um, Talk about like, you know, I ate this and I felt however. And let's, let's really dig into why did you feel this way about when you ate this food? You know, for example, if you binged or something and you ate a cupcake and you feel like horrible about it where like it sends you into a downward spiral for two days we need to talk about that interaction with that why did it make you feel so bad why do you feel guilt and shame around consuming food um and really again slowly start to make changes and I'm a big fan of habits on either end right so if I have a client who really needs to just clean up their nutrition, then let's start in, like, start with some habits that we can implement, some simple and easy habits, start with simple and easy habits that you can get consistent with and then grow from there. And if it's a person who's super restrictive, also some habits, but probably in the opposite direction um, to introduce some different things um, and help them really understand that, like, okay, I ate a couple of berries four times last week and everything's still okay. It wasn't, nothing happened. My body isn't harmful. I didn't, you know, I didn't gain 12 pounds overnight, um, and it's okay. And so I think, again, those are kind of, depending on how restrictive a person has been, though, that's a long, that's a lot, a long time before I think you get to, if ever, you get to a place where you fully, um, feel fully comfortable with the changes around food, because those are difficult changes to make, and they're not comfortable things to go through and change. Um, and they require a lot of work. And I think people can easily revert back to those feelings really quickly. So I, I think those things take a lot a lot of work.
0: No, you're right because it's like I don't think people understand how difficult weight loss is. They think it's like yeah. just something that's going to happen because like I've had clients that have been training with me for like six, seven years and – you know, I talk nutrition all the time with them. They, they should know what is going to get them to that next level. And then right. a couple weeks ago, I had a client come up to me. He's like, yeah, so one of my friends, she went vegan and lost all this weight and told me to watch right. this documentary. So I'm going to go vegan now. And I'm like, God damn it. Come on. <laughs> I thought we'd been past this. And then, you know, you start like talking to them again. They're like, oh, that makes sense. So even mm-hmm. with like my clients where I pay so much attention to them, they can still get, you know, trapped with something they see on Facebook or a Netflix documentary or their friend that has no, like, fitness or nutrition experience, say, yeah, I'm doing this thing. I've lost all this weight. And you're like, damn. Yeah.
1: I know. It's so hard, I think, um, because, honestly, like, you try to tell your clients, like, this is, is, like, these are the basics. These are things you need to pay attention to. But people are so easily swayed by their friends or things they see on the Internet. And, again, it's so – that's the thing about social media that I always tell people you have to filter what you hear and see because is it possible to lose 10 pounds in, you know, eight days? Sure. Is it sustainable and healthy? Probably not. Um, and so we just have to, I just encourage people to, yeah, definitely be careful about what they they consume and um, filter that through the advice. And particularly if you're working with a coach or a trainer, make sure you're filtering those things through that person. Um, but there's just so much information out, misinformation, and also I think good information too. But here's the thing, there's I, I'm not a believer that there's one right way to eat for any for everybody. Everybody's very individual. So what works for really great for one person doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing for you. Um and why is one of the reasons I always encourage my clients to really listen to their bodies and like if I eat this type of food, how do I actually feel after? But it doesn't make me feel good. It may not be a, a food that my body, that's good for me to consume. Um, and so, just be mindful of your cues because there's just no like one approach that one. It's not a, a one fits all approach to nutrition.
0: Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. The other thing I wanted to bring up too is like, I find that a lot of people who look up to trainers think we are these like perfect individuals that figured out life, but at yeah. the same time, we are just just like them. We're just good at fitness and health, so I kind of like always flipping the tables and asking my guests sometimes if I can remember, what are you struggling with currently in your life? It could either be like fitness and health or just anything really.
1: Yeah, so one of the things I'm uh, struggling with related to health is um, definitely self-care and sleep. So I um, always encourage my clients to take care of themselves mentally, obviously as well as physically um, and making sure they're prioritizing sleep and prioritizing downtime and Really paying attention to their body's cues. Do I need a break? Do I need some relaxation time? All those things. Um, so I'm really good about encouraging my clients to do that, and that's so great about following that advice myself. Um, and it's just one of those things where I'm like, okay, I know I need more sleep, but I'm going to do that next week. And I just, it's in a perpetual cycle where I just haven't been prioritizing sleep and self care like I know I need to. Um, so it's, and I'm still not there. Like I'm just not. So I know it's something that I need to work on. Um, but that's definitely one of the areas that, yeah, I need to just get better at that because um, I'm just not in the – and I, and I, intuitively, I know, like, when you sleep more, you perform better in terms of your lifting, but just in terms of all the other tasks you need to get done, too. So I know that it, I would be better if I did it, but I always feel like on the list of to-dos, is it, it falls at the bottom, so –
0: Yeah, like I think people underestimate how valuable sleep is. Like if you actually like dig into the research, it's like almost the missing link. And if you had to like do a survey of every single person you've ever interacted with and ask them how many hours of sleep they get, it's nowhere nearly enough for your body to perform or even function day to day. Because, you know, I have so many clients that have high stress jobs and then I'm like, oh, so how many hours of sleep you got? Well, I went to bed at 10, woke up at 1230, couldn't sleep, and then went back to sleep at four, and then I woke up at six. I'm like, God, that is horrible. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And so, again, like, I I know how important sleep is, but I'm still not putting it at the top of the to-do list. So, yeah, I got to get better in that area, but that's definitely a big one for me because it is so, so important.
0: And then the other thing I like to bring up, too, is kind of, like, talk about failure. But I find that you know, failure is an interesting thing. Like people are are scared to fail in something, but really that failure is going to teach you something to get to that next step. So I'm hoping you could like remember a time in your life where you failed at something, but it actually brought you to success that much quicker.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's so interesting. I love talking about failure because I'm a recovering perfectionist, right? (laughs) So um, I spent a lot of my probably like – early twenties, definitely like only doing things that I knew I was going to be good at because I did not like to fail, which is so backwards. Right. But I remember, um, career development, like particularly in my personal career prior to the fitness stuff, um, my corporate job, I really, really wanted this job so badly and I did not get the job and I was like so devastated. Like I cried, I was just like devastated for like probably like, a solid two weeks um, because I just really wanted this job. Well anyways, fast forward probably like six months and I ended up getting a different role and then it catapulted me into the job that I like wanted long-term anyways. Um, and so had I got that job I think that I didn't get, I probably would have never ended up in, in the one that I, I did eventually want. And so what I learned through the whole process is that, um, for one, like I didn't get the job and yes, I was sad and I cried, but it was all fine. Like nothing happened. Right. And then two, sometimes when a door closes, it's, it's better for us. And it may not be able to understand it at the time, but it could be, um, I don't know. I'm a really big, i kind of little woo woo. So I'm just thinking the universe knew something better was for, it was going to happen for you. And it just wasn't the right timing. Um, and so that's something that I've definitely, I failed at and I've had so many failures in powerlifting meets before so I bombed out of a meet once um which was a humbling experience for me I bombed out on squats which is like my first lift and I'd always been a really good squatter I've never had problems with that bombed out of it um and it was a humbling experience but and I like literally um didn't compete for like um I don't know, a few months, but then I was like, okay, I got to get back in there. And it was fine. So you have those times where you get, you know, down and out about things and you realize like, it's okay. You learn, you grow, you change your approach the next time around. And I recently have been thinking about this particular thing because I was reading this book and it was like, you know, if you're not failing regularly, you're probably not getting out of your comfort zone enough. And so I read that the other day and I was like, you know, I think I got to start getting out of my comfort zone more because I can't, remember like in the last I, I say like the six months were at a huge failure so I'm like that probably means I haven't really been pushing myself in the last six months so um yeah it's, it's it's a normal part of life and it's really important and and I think what that quote said is so true if you're not failing you probably aren't pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone and potentially not you know meeting your own potential so yeah
0: it's tough like when I've like meet people and you can already tell like they're just like that perfectionist type And um, recently, I've been working with a chiropractor with her social media. And like in the very beginning, she's getting better now. But like anything that she wanted to put out, she's like, this is it doesn't sound right. Or like this blog that I wrote, I don't think it makes sense. And I'm like, honestly, it's good enough. Like you just got to like get it through your head. Just be good enough because no one's going to like make fun of you. Like and if they do, like who cares? Like who are they? to make you feel bad because it's like i told her just get this through your head the first year of your social media posts they're probably gonna be horrible and just have have that standard in your head they're just gonna suck who cares and then the more, yeah the more you do it the better you're gonna get at and now it's not like you know if we decide to do a video she's not so awkward on camera like staring into the camera like a psychopath but you know it's just practice like practice fail practice Practice. fail and eventually get it right
1: Absolutely, and you know this is the same thing. When I first started my blog, I was like, "Oh, what if people don't like it? What if I spell things wrong?" And then I realized, for one, when you're like just starting something, no one's reading it anyways, probably right. Yeah. So it's perfect, perfect time because you get practice, and the more you do it, you get better at it. And then by the time like people are reading, you're pretty decent. And so it and it's fine. And again, like with the whole social media, if someone doesn't like it and they like, well, they probably weren't ever gonna be like one of your people anyway. So it's okay it doesn't matter it's fine
0: and i think you should show that like i wouldn't say weakness but like your true self like don't try to Mm -hmm. be perfect like if you're weird like own it like just show that to the whole world because i always think of like mark fisher like Mm -hmm. before i interviewed him and like i kind of knew him in the industry and i'm like rainbows, unicorns. I don't know what this guy's deal is, but I really want to talk to him because it's like, (laughs) it's weird and you're like, I kind of want to know more. Like it always sparks your interest. And I find that the coaches in the industry that just kind of let themselves be out there of who they are, then people just get attracted to that personality and they're somehow successful that way. And I think a lot of coaches, newer coaches especially, they just need to like let go of this like, oh, I need to be super professional and this perfect trainer just be yourself, like let that shine out and people will follow you.
1: I could not agree with you more. Um I definitely think that when I first started like doing social media stuff, I I didn't feel like I needed it to be perfect, but I definitely felt like I needed to be um palatable. And so I think that once you just be or just comfortable being your most authentic self, like that's when the that's when things are fun. Because for one, the right people are gonna show up for to be a part of your tribe. You enjoy it, and people are drawn to who you actually are. And I think that the people I enjoy most online are people that I feel like, like you just said, they're they're genuine, true selves. And I'm attracted to, like, their weirdness or their quirkiness or whatever their personality things are. Like, I am attracted to those things, and I'm interested in it because of that. When you just try to show up so vanilla and, like, main, not mainstream, but you just want to just be so perfect, like, who – I don't know. I feel like people aren't as attracted to that, so –
0: and it takes some time to, to kind of like figure out what your style is and yeah. when i first started blogging i like bored myself when i would like reread it and if you like look at my blogs i'm like all about memes and gifts. and i remember even when i was doing my first presentation i was just finding gifts. i haven't even written any notes down i was just finding gifts for like what i was going <laughs> to talk about and i remember my wife asking me like oh so how's like your presentation coming along?" i'm like awesome i have like 30 slides of just gifts and i haven't written anything <laughs> down and like all she could hear is like out of the bedroom where i'm like working just me laughing at stupid shit that i found online and i'm like all right so this is my style of like writing and pretending. it's just like gifts and, and and memes
1: <laughs> but that's cool though right and i just think that like all of everybody has something unique about them and and um that's what makes things interesting so
0: yeah 100%. i love it um, so very last question because we're already getting up to an hour um, where can people find you online what projects do you have coming out and if you want to plug anything or sell anything you can just go right ahead
1: sure um, online you can find me on Instagram at I am a Chrissy King um, and my website is ChrissyKing.com and on Facebook I am um, Facebook.com backslash Chrissy King Fitness but to be honest I'm most active on Instagram so that's probably where you can catch up with me the most. Um, what do I have coming up? So this year I have a lot of things, um, happening, but one of them, um, I'm going to be doing a, um, body image program that I'm be releasing in July. So I'm really excited about that. It's going to be a small group coaching program. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I have a do it yourself program coming out in May. Um, and then last year I released a, program called power conditioning which was powerlifting with a mix of conditioning in it and 2.0 version is coming out later this year as well um and if you're looking to connect with me on my website um or on instagram i have a email list and it's just called free workouts i send out five free workouts every single month um so if you just want some free workouts you can check me out there too so um i'm excited about all those things that are coming up this year though it's going to be a busy year but a good year so i'm excited about it
0: Awesome. So thank you so much for your time. This was amazing.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be able here and, and chat with you today.
0: Okay, boys and girls, that is going to wrap up episode 116 with Chrissy King. Hopefully you enjoyed that one because she was just a blast to chat with. And again, if you guys have any recommendations on who I should get on this show, let me know, because I kind of want to know what you guys want to learn about, or even just reach out to me and be like, hey, Raph, stop talking about business you're being stupid or whatever you want to say and give me topics that you want to, you know, hear about, learn about and i will do my best to ask the guests or even myself to talk about it. And again, please 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 share this podcast with your friends and family on every social media channel that you have. And if you are not signed up to the Cut the Shit Get Fit newsletter, get on there show notes the link is there put your name in and you will receive a lot of cool shit every week and that's it for me until next time you guys